are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Cindy Johnson, Secretary of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses and copy editor for the U.S. Lighthouse Society. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Jeremy. This is December 4th, 2022, and this is episode 202 of Lighthearted. In a few minutes, we'll listen to a conversation with two people about the efforts to preserve the Stepping Stones Lighthouse in New York. We're in the middle of the holiday season as we record today. So how was your Thanksgiving, Cindy? I had a really nice Thanksgiving. My sister and brother-in-law came down from California for the week. So we all got to visit a lot and eat a lot and eat some more. (laughs) How about you? How was your Thanksgiving? Uh, Eating was very much a part of it. Right. That's pretty standard, I guess. But uh, Charlotte, my wife and I visited my brother, Jim, in Boston and had a really nice time. Right. And uh, he's in the Fort Hill uh, part of... um, uh, Roxbury, an uh, interesting neighborhood. And we walked to this old uh, burial ground in Ooh. Roxbury that I didn't know existed. It's like the third oldest uh, cemetery in Boston and had graves going back to the 1650s. Wow. And it was quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was a, a pretty cool day. So, uh, also, uh, this is uh, very important. I want to mention a book that has just been published. It was actually uh, the subject of last week's episode. The book is The Lighthouse at Point San Luis, written by Kathy Mastico uh, and published by the U.S. Lighthouse Society. It's all about the history of the lighthouse at Point San Luis in California, also known as the San Luis Obispo Lighthouse. Cindy, you and I worked on proofreading and editing the book for months. It seemed like years, but I think it was just months. (laughs) But no, we worked really hard on it. How do you feel about seeing the finished product out in the world, Cindy? I'm I'm really excited about it for sure. We did work hard and uh, and we were able to have it published, like you said, by the U.S. Lighthouse Society, of course, before the holidays, which is what we were hoping for. So yeah, it's exciting. It is, you know, and I don't mean to sound like we had to do a lot of work because, uh, it, because it, you know, because there was anything lacking in the writing. Because Kathy did a great job, yeah, no. uh, tremendous research, and it was a really uh, well-written book. But book publishing is is hard work. It, t- it takes a while to get things just just right. Uh, absolutely. The, yeah, yeah, but we're we're pretty happy with the the finished product, and it it is available on Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, if people. Uh, haven't don't know this already. Uh, again, the book is uh, the uh, the lighthouse at Point San Luis, and that's Point S A N L U I S San Luis, <laughs> and it's by Kathy Mastico M A S T A K O. So if you search on Amazon for the lighthouse at Point San Luis, maybe put her name in Kathy Mastico, you'll find it. And uh, there's a discount on it right now; it's a couple of dollars Ooh. off on Amazon. Uh, so. Uh, sort of a, a Cyber Monday week special. Yeah, I would say. good to know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I recommend it. I think it makes a nice present for uh, any lighthouse lover or mm-hmm. history buff. So thank you for all the, the hard work you did on the book, Cindy. I, uh, yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, thank you. And I'm, I appreciate, you know, the U.S. Lighthouse Society giving me uh, proofreading and copy editing work. And this was this was a great project. And I, yeah. al- I almost feel like an expert now on uh, on the Point San Luis Lighthouse. You haven't um, been there, right? You need to go there. I haven't been there. And um, but it is it is a great book. So I, mm-hmm. I learned a lot. For sure. Yeah. 
I've been there. It's a beautiful, beautiful lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a great team on the book, and uh, I also want to thank the the backing of the U.S. Lighthouse Society. Just a reminder, if people want to hear more about it, listen to last week's episode where I interviewed uh, Kathy Mastico. So let's uh, move along here, Cindy. Yes. Uh, has anything interesting happened on this date in lighthouse history? Yes, something did happen on December 4th, 1942, and it's actually one of the worst lighthouse-related tragedies in American history. Oswego Harbor West Pierhead Lighthouse on Lake Ontario in New York was cut off from the mainland by a severe storm. The Coast Guard was unable to communicate with Carl Jackson, the keeper, so they sent a boat to the lighthouse with nine men on board. The boat arrived at the lighthouse safely, and two men landed to relieve Jackson. As the boat was leaving, its engine died, and the waves threw it against a granite breakwater. Six of the eight men on board died in the incident, while two of them managed to hang on to the breakwater until they were rescued. Yeah, it's another reminder of the fact that lighthouse keeping could often be dangerous. Uh, The Coast Guard and a Maritime Museum in Oswego held a public commemoration of the event on its 75th anniversary in 2017. And uh, I was looking online. There's a really interesting video on YouTube related to that, that whole story. So to find the video, do a search on YouTube for uh, the title, At the Lighthouse, Why I Tell Stories, and the name Sean Kirst. That's S-E-A-N-K-I-R-S-T. Sean is a newspaper columnist. I very strongly recommend the video. He does a really great job of telling that story. Uh, Again, At the Lighthouse, Why I Tell Stories, and the name Sean Kirst. So, Cindy, let's tell people about Stepping Stones Lighthouse and today's guests. Sure, Jeremy. According to an old Native American legend, there was a giant devil who caused much mayhem in a region that included parts of what is now Westchester County and the Bronx, New York, and portions of southeastern Connecticut. His enormous footprints are said to still be seen on rocks in the area. The giant was chased from the area by warriors, but he threw huge rocks at them across Long Island Sound. Some of the boulders landed in the sound, and he used them as stepping stones to make an escape. Early maps noted the reefs in Long Island Sound as the Devil's Stepping Stones after the Native American legend. The name persisted until 1877 when the lighthouse was established and the name was shortened to Stepping Stones. Stepping Stones Lighthouse was built in 1876 to warn mariners of a shoal and dangerous rocks that extend into Long Island Sound and also to serve as a guide into the East River. Built in the Second Empire style, it's a virtual twin of Hudson Athens Lighthouse on the Hudson River. Stepping Stones Lighthouse originally had a fifth order Fresnel lens exhibiting a fixed red light, but it was changed in 1932 to a fourth order lens with a fixed green light. The building was modernized in 1944 and the light was automated in 1964. It remains a vital aid to navigation to this day. The lighthouse was awarded to the town of North Hempstead in 2008 under the guidelines of the National Historic Lighthouse Preservation Act. The town of North Hempstead, the Great Neck Park District, and the Great Neck Historical Society have forged a public-private partnership to work for the restoration of the lighthouse. The lighthouse is in poor condition and is in desperate need of repair. If it decays any further, there is a probability that it will be demolished and a modern automated navigational beacon erected in its place. It has been estimated that the needed repairs will cost in the range of $4 million. We have two guests today. Bob Muller is the president of the Long Island chapter of the U.S. Lighthouse Society and author of the book, Long Island's Lighthouses Past and Present. 
Bob Lincoln was the longtime commissioner of the Great Neck Parks District and is the committee chairperson of the Stepping Stones Lighthouse Restoration Committee. I spoke with them recently, so let's listen to that conversation now. I'm speaking this afternoon with Bob Lincoln and Bob Muller, who are both uh, very involved with the uh, planned uh, restoration, preservation of an interesting lighthouse in New York, the Stepping Stones Lighthouse. Thank you so much for joining me today, Bob L. and Bob M. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. So before we uh, get into the the preservation status, and there's a lot to talk about with that, the the uh, you know the status of the lighthouse today and what may be happening uh, in the future with it, let's talk a bit about the history of the lighthouse first, Stepping Stones Lighthouse. And Bob Muller, since you've uh, you've written a book on lighthouses of Long Island, and you are the president of the uh, the Long Island chapter of the U.S. Lighthouse Society, I think you might want to take this uh, first question. Why uh, was the lighthouse built in the first place? Uh, one of the things when you put this into context, something I always try to do is look at the surrounding area for any lighthouse. And Stepping Stone sits at the northern entrance to basically New York City. Um, so when you think about its importance as a port in the history of the world and certainly of the, the economy of the, uh, of the United States, especially early on, getting in and out of the port of New York was very important. And there's two ways to do that. You can either come, you have to get around Long Island one way or another. You have to avoid it. You either come in from the south or from the north. And from the north, you've got to come across the Long Island Sound. And right between, basically at the entrance to uh, New York, at the western end of the Long Island Sound, is that area that was called the Devil's Step- Stepping Stones. So the Stepping Stones Lighthouse basically marks the western end of Long Island Sound and the entrance into you know the port of New York and that whole area there. Obviously, protecting the traffic into and out of there was really important. The sound overall throughout the Long Island Sound has some areas that are tricky. This area here, or those, uh, the area called the Devil's Stepping Stones, certainly was a hazard for navigation um, in, in that area. So there was a lot of talk early on about marking it and trying to put um, a beacon out there, buoys, things like that. They finally decided they needed to put a lighthouse out there. Um, originally, they tried to put it on the south side of Hart Island, but they had trouble getting the land there. And then eventually the land was appraised and it was worth more money than um, they had really in the budget to build a lighthouse. So they ended up building it, you know, by the 1870s, we really had the technology to build a lighthouse offshore in an area like that. So that's how um, that lighthouse got built there. From the, the time the lighthouse was established in 1877, right? To, oh. was it 1964 that it was automated? Do I have that Correct. right? Yeah. Uh, how many keepers at a time were assigned to it? Uh, was it a principal keeper and uh, was there one assistant as well? Yeah, it was a, it's a small building, it's a small light, so it was basically a one-keeper station. Okay. Um, during the civilian days, it would have been the keeper and his family there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like children would go to um, generally go to school over on City Island, uh, mm-hmm. which was on the north side of the Long Island Sound. Um, yep. And so the, you know, back and forth that way by boat, like a lot of kids had to do back then on those offshore lighthouses in the area. And there was a there was a fog signal in addition to the light, uh, a fog signal to be kept. As was it a fog fog bell? It changed over time. It would have early on was a bell, yeah. And you can still see on the front of it where the bell was hung. We do not know where the bell is currently, but you can see on the front of the tower where it was. 
Well, so what was life like there? Was it a difficult station? And of course, they lived there year round. Was it a tough place to be in the winter? Yeah, it, there's, it wasn't an exciting one. Um, you know, sometimes when I, when I talk about lighthouses around Lyle, there's lots of shipwrecks and all these heroic things that went on yeah. um, or, or scandals and all. Actually, um, Stepping Stones doesn't have a lot of that. There were, you know, various rescues. Somebody would flip their, their rowboat over and they, uh, you know, have to rescue them there. Things like that happened. Um, one of the stories that stands out in my mind was uh, in 1999, I was doing a presentation in Florida and, and the gentleman in the audience um, had been stationed at Execution Rocks, which is nearby in the 1950s. And uh, I was having trouble getting in, you know, stories about stepping stones. So I asked him if he knew anything about it. And he had told me that one of the Coast Guardsmen that had been stationed over there was uh, sort of a neat freak. And he would like even polish the drip pans underneath all the, uh, the, the machinery there. And he said it was probably the cleanest lighthouse on the Long Island Sound at the time. So that's one that stands out for me. Um, and it, it was tough in the wintertime, though. Uh, Charles Rogers in 1934, I believe it was, February of 34, after a storm, uh, he and his family were at the lighthouse. They couldn't get supplies. So they put up a distress signal, which I read was, you know, turning the flag upside down is in one of the uh, reports. So a boat did stop by and help them. And then the uh, third lighthouse district headquarters did send out a tender. I think it was the Hickory to bring them supplies the next day. But so it was it was tougher out there. You know, those people that live around here now, we don't really think of Long Island Sound as being clogged with ice, but certainly it has had its moments. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Historically, I know that that did happen pretty often. So, uh, Bob uh, Lincoln, I want to get to you in just a second, but let me ask you first, Bob Muller, how did you uh, become involved in in researching and preserving the lighthouses around Long Island? You've been involved uh, for quite a few years. As I mentioned before, you're president of the Long Island chapter of the U.S. Lighthouse Society. So how did all that start for you? I I, I always think of it as being an odd story, and, and it is something I get asked a lot. So um, my mother-in-law used to live in Florida and my wife and I would go down and visit her every year. And we were at a collectibles store outside of Orlando, Florida, a place no longer there called Fibber McGee's at the time. Okay. And we were, I come from a very curious family. So wherever I am, I'm looking at everything. And up by the cash register, they had a lot of the old Harbor Lights lighthouses, left in lighthouses. And I was looking around and I, I saw Montauk. And I saw Fire Island, Fire Island's right in an area where we had a beach house when I was a kid. So I kind of grew up around that lighthouse. And, and I realized to myself, you know, I, I realized that I, I didn't know much about Long Island lighthouses. And was, I figured when I get back to Long Island, I'm going to get a book on Long Island lighthouses and, and learn about that. My family had been on Long, Long Island. I think I'm a fourth generation Long Islander. So it seemed like something I should know. And then when I got back to Long Island, there was no book on the history of Long Island lighthouses, which... Sometimes when I say that and I'm doing a present, people say, are you sure? <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Um, so I had been freelance writing magazine articles, newspaper articles, things like that for some time. And I decided that would be my first book project. Mm-hmm. And um, I figured, you know, my estimate was maybe two years and, and all. And uh, no, it ended up being six and a half years. And as I went on, I started to meet a lot of people, um, a lot of Lighthouse fans. And I started to see some of the, the state of some of the lighthouses and how endangered they were. And so a few of us, myself, and then at that time, Bob's group and Mike Seawald, the three of us decided we should do something and try to put together a preservation group 
And we talked to the U.S. Lighthouse Society and decided to start a, uh, a chapter of the U.S. Lighthouse Society on Long Island, which I believe we started up in October of 2000. And mm-hmm. um, when we drew straws, I got the, straw, the short straw. So I, I was uh, chosen to be president uh, early on there. Yeah, uh, we've known each other a while. I think you and I have crossed paths going back uh, probably at least 20 years. Uh, And your book is excellent. It's certainly one of the go-to books for the lighthouses in that area. So uh, you've done a lot of, a lot of good work over the years. So Bob Lincoln, let me turn to you. Uh, How did you, well, first of all, I should mention uh, you were the, for, I guess for, for quite a few years, right? The commissioner of Great Neck uh, Parks District. 21 years. 21 years. Wow. Uh, And how, what led you to get involved with the effort to save Stepping Stones Lighthouse? Well, actually, it was Pam Setchell, who was uh, known for her work at the Huntington Lighthouse. Uh, She approached uh, the Great Neck Historical Society, of which I am a member, and now I chair the Lighthouse Restoration Committee. But uh, she approached us and she she told us the story of how the town of North Hempstead had acquired the lighthouse as the steward in 2008, but in four years basically hadn't done anything. Um, and she was very well connected to the National Park Service and everything to do with lighthouses at the, at the federal level. And she said, they're getting ready to take it back because no action had been taken. And uh, lo and behold, the next day there was going to be a meeting at North Hempstead Town Hall. The federal people were in town and uh, she thought it might be worthwhile if we met with them. So we did. Their interest was uh, whether or not the community had an interest in preserving this lighthouse and uh, if, if some of us would be willing to get involved. Mm-hmm. We said cautiously, initially, we would. We'd need more information. And uh, the federal people, uh, because we, we did have an interest, they, uh, they decided that they weren't going to take it back and uh, they were going to meet with the town of North Hempstead the next morning. And lo and behold, strangely, that night, a couple of us got calls and we were invited to that meeting. So that's how, that's how we got in, in, involved. Now, mm-hmm. the Great Neck Park District has a park very close to the lighthouse. It's called Stepping Stone Park. And uh, being a commissioner, there was a question, would the park district be willing to get involved? And we said, well, not financially, but certainly would be willing to help as far as using our facilities, using our dock, uh, and uh, we would be willing to participate. So at that point, a partnership allegedly was formed, and we started talking, we started working. The Historical Society, we started working on raising money. Our commitment was to handle the educational end of of everything um, and raise funding to the degree that we could, and uh, we, we were off and running. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, 10 years later, uh, we just haven't come very far along. So the, the town of uh, North Hempstead, as you said, the, their uh, involvement as the, as the owner uh, was kind of lacking for, for some years there. But I know there's been uh, maybe a couple of changes of administration along the way. How have things changed? What's happening now uh, with the town's involvement? Well, unfortunately, like so many things today, it's becoming a political battlefield, we're afraid. On the one side, the, the uh, administration changed once. There was a new supervisor. It was still the same party. And a lot of promises were made. A lot of meetings were held. 
But every time we came up with something, there were always obstacles put up, why we couldn't do anything that we had thought we might do. And the town told us point blank, it's our project and we're the bosses and nothing can happen until we get a dock built for access, mm-hmm. which we stand for construction. And when the project is, is finished, we said, well, but engineers could go up the access ladder, which the town had put in there uh, to go up and, and, you know, look at the building, survey the building and start a, uh, the process of putting specifications together for restoration. Their answer was absolutely not. It's not safe. You can't go up that ladder and we have to have a dock before we can do anything. Subsequently, 10 years later, the town was unable to get a dock built. We have, uh, I think, eight steel pilings there and uh, the contractor was unable to finish the job. So we really haven't progressed very, very far. In the meantime, there's another new administration, opposite political party, and they're asking questions such as, why should we bother with this? The building is falling down. Mm-hmm. And it's not falling down. It needs a lot of restoration work. It needs stabilization. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is actually uh, very, uh, very, in very good shape for being neglected for so many years. Structurally sound, you would say, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So there's this uh, partnership that uh, between the the town, the uh, Great Necks uh, Parks District, and the Great Necks Historical Society, City Island Nautical Museum. They're also part of the partnership. Is that right? No, they they are very interested. They're extremely supportive. We've become very good friends w- with them, but their feeling is that they didn't have the uh, resources to take on stewardship and actually handle the restoration. Yeah, and historical society were actually pretty much the same the same way it is something that a, that a uh, an agency like the town of north hempstead that has a department of public works and has people who can physically do some of the simple work but also handle uh you know the contracting and whatever else is is involved they're the ones that really need to do the uh, to do the, do the, do the work yeah I've seen estimates for restoration as high as $4 million. uh, Did you just recently have another assessment? Did I see something about that fairly recently? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if either of you, either or both of you can answer this, but uh, is there a more updated estimate? I know it's pretty hard to say ultimately what it might cost. So first in 2017, we hired an architectural firm by the name of Modern Ruins. They specialize in these type of projects. In fact, I think they've worked on 20 some odd lighthouses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they did an analysis. They said that the, again, the, 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 in 2017, that the building and, and the lighthouse is structurally sound, needs a lot of work. They put a plan together. They put cost estimates together. And uh, the difference between doing work privately and doing it with a public agency is a factor today of about three. So when you see $4 million, that's if it were done privately, it would be much more if it was done publicly. These public agencies, especially the town of North Hempstead, to be honest, they don't do anything for less than a million dollars. But we had that survey done. We had Modern Ruins come back this past October because there were reports by some people that the building was physically falling down. 
and they looked at it and they go, no, it's not, it's not, what has fallen down is some plaster on the interior, which is not structural. Set mm-hmm. some priorities and uh, uh, listed, listed them out basically to make the building weather tight. That's the very first thing that needs to happen. And in, in the years that we've been involved, that building has been open to the weather and I'm sure long before, uh, we, we, you know, we got involved. Yeah. Uh, so the purpose of the report was to get a straight answer from an outside agency exactly what is going on there. And uh, they, they were uh, they were impressed that the building was built so good that it withstood all, you know, all the time and all, all the, uh, the forces of nature. Right now, we are trying to convince the town that they should continue. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have got some grant money. They stopped the project of building the dock. They threw the contractor off the job. Uh, they rebid it and they had a contractor ready to go this past summer, but they never awarded the contract. So things have stopped again. And um, hmm. we're trying to diplomatically apply pressure to make it evident to these elected officials that they should really want to uh, finish this this project. Yeah. Now, I imagine both of you have been on and in the lighthouse probably multiple yeah. times over the years. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so uh, one thing I was wondering is you're talking about the plaster falling on the inside and stuff. There are all other birds nesting inside the lighthouse. Do you have that problem? I, I haven't heard anything about birds inside. I haven't seen mm-hmm. any reports of that. Okay. Um, but on the condition of the lighthouse, if I can mm-hmm. add, add on there a little bit, you know, this is a, this is a brick lighthouse. Um, and so several years ago, the brick chimney fell off. We've had bricks and granite blocks fall off of the tower, at least within the last year, some of that's happened. And then this, this August, the rear left corner would be the Southwest corner of the lighthouse, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been out there, take some pictures and all. And then two weeks later, went back out. And some of the bricks, more bricks had actually fallen off the corner of the building. And because the fence has, the, there's a fence, uh, a chain link fence around and because that fence hasn't been maintained and the fence is laying over, some of those bricks actually fell into the water. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just because it, the basic aspects of protecting uh, the site haven't been maintained, then it's not, that's not a budget issue to maintain a, uh, a chain link fence really right we're losing we're losing some of the original uh, materials from 1877 if those get lost now we're replacing them with something that isn't original which obviously goes against you know you know jeremy when you're doing preservation you want to maintain as much of the original materials as possible from that period right and so we're losing some of that just because basic maintenance Uh, and stabilization isn't taking place there now. Now, it's my understanding that some, and you actually mentioned it, Bob L., a few minutes ago, that some money has been raised along the way. Uh, How much money has been raised towards restoration? What's the status of those funds? I guess it's sort of a three-part question. How much has been raised? What's the status of those funds? And uh, what is the status of uh, fundraising moving on? So, Total, we have raised about $150,000. Now, that's mm-hmm. through T-shirts. We ran a couple of 5K races, uh, individuals donating. We have one son of a local person who loved the lighthouse 
and he has a foundation and he makes a significant donation each year. Other than incidental expenses, like if we're selling T-shirts, we're going to buy T-shirts, um, that's a nominal amount. Twice we've, we've paid Modern Ruins to come in and do a survey. Uh, right now, net in the bank, we have about $120,000, which is a small drop you know, in what really needs to be done. But we have generated interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, selling, selling T-shirts and having events, the bigger value than just raising some money is to raise public awareness and public interest, yeah. uh, which we succeed doing. Um, the town of North Hempstead has received uh, grants. I'm going to estimate somewhere around eight hundred or nine hundred thousand uh, dollars. I don't know that this. They, well, they haven't spent them all. Some they have spent on the uh, the work that's been done on the dock so far, plus design and so on and so forth. Right now, we've really put we we're accepting donations, but we're putting formal fundraising on hold until we we know what the town of North Hempstead really plans to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I if I can add to that, Jeremy, it's to, to do to be able to do fundraising. People are going to want to know what their money's going for. What's the plan? And this is the problem. There's no plan, and we can't make that plan. That the 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 town has to take leadership in this project and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is the money we need. You know, for for us to go to somebody and and say, you know, donate for the lighthouse, and we don't have a plan for where that money is going to go. If we're asking for significant donations without the town being fully in, you know, fully in on the project, it, it almost starts to feel unethical. But what are we raising money for? It's just to put it in a bank so it can sit there. Yeah. So this is really what we need now. We need we need the town to take leadership, take a leadership role. Um, and get these things going and and we're happy to support it you know we've got uh, a lot of i think a lot of lighthouse groups would love to have the support the historical society the parks district can help out you know i I sit in as sort of a representative of the u.s lighthouse society we can mobilize people to do this but the project has to move uh, in order to do that and that's just something that's out of our control which is probably what's the most frustrating thing for us I can understand that. Is there like a town committee dedicated to the lighthouse or anything like that or, or no? Well, initially there was, um, but they never met. So okay. really it's the committee of the historical society. And at one point that question was asked, what is, what is the town doing? And they, they said, well, the historical society is really our committee. Um, so it's been, you know, they want control of everything, but they're also hands off, you know, and that's that's difficult. And we did offer just prior to the pandemic, uh, we did offer to pay or, or pay a significant portion of having an architect or engineer come in and start the actual planning of the stabilization phase. We said, we got mm-hmm. we, money, we'll, we'll, we'll pay for it. And they said it was a great idea. The pandemic happened, uh, which, of course, stopped the world for, for a while, but in certain respects becomes an excuse if you don't want to move forward. Right. Uh, and even though construction was one of the first things that opened up uh, post-COVID, uh, it, it's, it's, it becomes quite frustrating, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. You mentioned, of course, the the dock project that was partly done in, was it 2019? 
Uh, what's the status of that? Was, is, it, is there anything usable there? How hard is it to even land a boat there at this point? Well, you can't. There's no fixed dock and there's no floating dock. And the next phase was to prefab the, the stationary dock, which would be a platform coming off the, the deck of the lighthouse. And then obviously you need a floating dock and gangway. Uh, but that's what the contractor was going to do last summer, but yeah. was never given the green light. Yeah. So is, is what was partially done, is that still usable and can be, can be, uh, you know, be the basis of uh, finishing it or. Uh, I would, I would think, I would certainly hope so because it's, yeah. it's a substantial uh, installation. It's just not finished. I believe that's their plan to use those pilings and, and finish the rest of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, besides the dock, which is obviously an urgent thing that needs to be done, but what else would you say, what aspect of restoration like needs would you, is like an emergency that needs absolute uh, immediate attention ASAP? There's a significant uh, crack in the floor that needs to be repaired, but is repairable. Mm-hmm. And it really, it, it's really masonry roofing and the, you know, the exterior of the building to make it weather, weather tight. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as with any 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 building <laughs> or anything at all, the uh, freeze thaw cycle is is our enemy. Um, we're getting water in there from various places. It gets in there in the winter. It freezes, you know, the ice expands, and it and it just continues to degrade the structure. So, getting it getting it weather tight and water tight, you know, stabilization is always the first part. Let's not let's prevent it from getting worse, so that preservation and 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 restoration doesn't become a bigger hill to climb right so uh here's a here's a question i want to direct it at both of you it's a big uh, open-ended question take it anywhere you want but uh and you can fight between the two of you who wants to take it first but why why does the lighthouse need to be saved bob you're you're a, you're a local guy there so why don't i uh, you, you can you represent the community more than i do i'm a little further away so go ahead preserving the lighthouse and restoring it and making it available for the public to go and visit it is a, a tremendous, tremendous uh, experience uh, to actually walk, even the condition that it's in, you walk in there and you look around and, and, and you say, my God, people lived in this a hundred years ago. And, and uh, uh, this is, was a very, very different lifestyle. And it's just a, an example of how society and the world has developed uh, through, through the years, it's one step. We have an elementary school in Great Neck uh, that is very, very interested in, in being involved. And uh, we've, from the beginning, uh, we were approached by the principal of the, of the school. From the beginning, when the Historical Society got involved, we were approached by the, uh, by the principal and the staff. And the, the, the kids, they helped raise money. I mean, they put a big jug and they came in with a change. And, and, and the significance of that is, is the excitement and the commitment that, that, that people make. And uh, they would love to someday be able to go, uh, to go out and, and actually see uh, what life was like and, and, you know, how things work. At one time, that was state-of-the-art navigation. It's changed tremendously over the years, but that's a piece of the history, and, it, and, it, and it's a big piece. And uh, we were just approached again by uh, one of the teachers at, at, at that school wanting to get involved again. And uh, one of the things we tell the politicians are, if you decide to drop this project, what are you going to go tell those kids? 
got to figure that out. So this, this, this it's, it's, um, it's, it's substantive in the sense that you can physically go and uh, put your hands and, and actually see what life was done. We do a lot of things in this world today virtually, and it's tremendous. But to actually feel and touch, that's a real value. I agree. Bob, M, you want to add anything to that? Yeah, yeah. I, I have a few, a few things, you know, in lighthouses in general, certainly, and this one in particular, they provide educational opportunities that are unique. Uh, as Bob said, hands-on. I, I know for me, I, I've, I have a memory of when I got interested in history. It's, uh, we were in upstate New York when I was a, a child, and we were at um, a Revolutionary War Fort. And as we were walking along the wall of this, the outside of this, this old fort, I not only felt like I was somewhere else, but some when else. Mm. And it was like a physical feeling. And I still get that when I go to a lighthouse. And I think it's I think it's a good experience um, educationally. Certainly gets people to, you know, things happen here that that don't happen now. What were those things? Mm-hmm. And you can learn from those experiences of history. Obviously, I with the time I've dedicated in this, that's something that I believe that it's it's a it's a a way of a sort of providing a providing a um, a foundation or a grounding when you have these historical sites like that. And another important one for me, and you, you brought up Pam Settle, is from um, the uh, Huntington Lighthouse. If you go around Huntington, you see images of that lighthouse everywhere. It's in the town logo. It's on, you know, company logos. It's, it's everywhere. It's a source of community pride and sort of a center for the community to rally around mm-hmm. um, and, and create a sense of unity in the community. And that potential is there with that lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people do see it. It's an offshore, so it's you can have this out of sight, out of mind sort of thing. So sometimes when I mention a Stepping Stones lighthouse, people don't, it doesn't automatically come to them. When I say, you know, when you go over the Throgs Neck Bridge and you look down in the water, there's that little red lighthouse? Everybody knows that. So that's, um, it's there, it's, it is visible, and you can take that and create it as a community resource. Uh, as right now, it's just sitting there not being used for a lot of the good that it could be doing out there. Yeah. Well, beautifully said by both of you. And I, I'm glad you both mentioned Pam Setchell, who's been part of the effort. She's done such great work at the Huntington Harbor Lighthouse. I've known Pam for, for a while, interviewed her for the podcast not too long ago. So she's certainly a, a great ally to have in this, yeah, this effort and, for sure. Yeah. Pam's one of, one of my original mentors in this business as well. Mm-hmm. which is, is hard to imagine because to me, she doesn't seem any older than when I met her <laughs> while I do. But yeah, um, yeah I, I still enjoy her company and she's the kind of um, experienced, honest, frank person that's really needed to, uh, in this business. So yeah, she's been a big help. Yeah. So to some degree, you've both already uh, answered the, my next question, but I just want to give you a chance to add something else if there's anything to add. How do you envision the lighthouse being used uh, once it's restored? Anything else you'd like to say about that? Well, it will continue as a class A navigation aid. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. It will be a, uh, a place, a destination uh, for people to visit and, and experience. And it will be, a, it, there's no, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of concern about the, the quality of water in Western Long Island Sound. That lighthouse sits at the westernmost portion of Long Island Sound. That should be the icon of protecting the, the environment. And, you know, there are so many connections that, that, you, that you can make. We did a fundraiser a couple of years ago 
uh, where we, we took people on a boat tour and uh, around the Great Neck, Fort Totten, Frog's Neck, City Island area. And it was like going, it was like a, a wagon wheel with the lighthouse being the hub. We, and we identified 12 major pieces of history that we could talk about. And people were absolutely enthralled to, to hear. I mean, even the Great Gatsby, uh, there's a piece of King's Point that is connected to the Great Gatsby inside of the lighthouse. And uh, education, practical use, it might be a place for, but might even be repurposed in part to, to monitor the, the, the condition of the water. You know, one of the best things you can do is find another use for uh, something that people are ready to scrap and right. uh, there's a new life. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Repurposing yeah. is an important part of all this. Anything, uh, Bob M., you want to add to that? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I, I think maybe it's important to point out that what it's used for is really up to the town of North Hempstead. It's, it's their responsibility. It's their decision, ultimately. But we can provide a lot of input on that and the experience of what's been done around the nation. Again, having the U.S. Lighthouse Society involved gives a nationwide or even international um, database from which to, to decide what they're going to do. And um, so they've got a lot of input from us. We'll respect what they want to do, but it's time to get on with doing something, um, whatever that may be. Let me ask you another two-part question. This is for either or both of you, but first part of it is what do you hope happens next? If you uh, could uh, just make something happen right now that needs to happen, what's the, the first thing that you like to see happen to, to, uh, you know, to move forward with all this? And the second part of the question is, are you optimistic overall about the, uh, the saving of this lighthouse? So the very next thing that we, that we uh, want to see happen is we want to get discussions going with all the parties at the town of North Hempstead and convince them to let this go forward, to get progress that's visible so that we can go out and, and, and raise money, grant money, private money, whatever, but not to have it just sit on the back burner as it has for, for so long. Are we optimistic? Let's say cautiously optimistic. Uh, if, if the town doesn't move, then we got to find another steward. Right. Bob M. Yeah. I mean, immediately I'd like to see some of those um, bricks and granite blocks that have fallen be collected, tagged and securely stored um, somewhere. I'd like to see that fence put back up so that nothing else falls out um, and also protect the site so that people can't get onto it as well you know it's it's a it's a danger to people if they climb up that ladder and get on there so it really the site needs to be secured uh first of all for safety purposes and and loss of materials and also um it needs to be stabilized we need to come up with a plan the the town needs to come up with a plan and say this is what we're going to do um and we need to get moving on the winter's coming now and uh winters can be rough out in that long island sound and the lighthouse is not going to get better if we just sit and talk and, you know, and if there's just, um, you know, political finger pointing and things like that going on again, I'd like to see some leadership. That's what we, that's what we need more than anything. Step one is leadership. And from that will come plans, uh, you know, stabilization and preservation. Mm -hmm. I imagine you'd echo uh, Bob L's uh, comment about being cautiously optimistic about all this. 
Uh, it depends upon the day <laughs> yeah. and who I've heard say what as to right. my level of optimism, quite frankly. Yeah. And, you know, we've been sort of at this, uh, this round of it since August, uh, talking about, you know, bricks falling off and the fence being down. And so that's, uh, you know, three months in and nothing has happened. So I would be a lot more um, optimistic if that fence was put back up and there was some sense of urgency or uh, um, anything that seemed to be other than, again, politics and apathy, quite honestly. Yeah, no, I completely understand. So, Bob, uh, we're going to wind things down here in a moment, but I just want to ask you a totally separate, uh, separate subject here. Can you tell us a little bit about the Long Island chapter of the U.S. Lighthouse Society, uh, what it is, and are you looking for people to get involved in the chapter? Sure. Thanks, Jeremy. I, I do appreciate that question. Um, you know, when we formed this originally in, in 2000, um, it was very active. We had a lot of people involved. Things changed when I stepped away. They sort of went a different direction, took a different sort of a business model, if you will, on how to do things. So uh, I came back with some new people and some some of the people who I'd worked with previously right before COVID. And we actually did one of our old Beacons of the Night uh, history cruise and it was felt like old times and then COVID hit and you know the New York area got hit pretty hard and so we have kind of been shut down uh, in a lot of ways since then I have still been working with the Stepping Stones Lighthouse um, the Old Field Lighthouse is another story I'm, I'm working with them right now to try to do some work on that lighthouse and some of the other things that I've just kind of been doing on my own that don't require gatherings of people um, going forward yeah, I'd love to see people get involved again. I'd love to get the word out there, um, start having regular meetings, start doing fundraisers. I'd love to find volunteer work for people to do. It's nice to get your hands dirty, certainly to get out and do some things. So uh, we are looking for that. That's going to be something we're going to start pushing, um, hopefully during the, you know, the quote unquote off season is to try to gather up people, see what interest there is, and then assess what we can do as a chapter for educational and, and preservation purposes. Sure. Mm-hmm. And if people want to get involved, uh, they can find you online. Is that the best way? Yeah. I mean, the best thing is to, to email me directly probably is the best way to do it. It's, uh, Bob at uslhs.org. And um, so I can keep a list of people who are enthusiastic and want to be uh, key movers. And that's where we need to start there. I've talked to Jeff Gales out at the U S lighthouse society about, um, uh, you know, sending out, um, emails or letters to a lot of people in our area once we've decided what our structure is going to be and what our, our goals are going to be. I mean, our goals, goals are preservation and education, but how do you take the, that mission and put it into a form that's appropriate for the uh, certainly the resources that you have, including the, uh, the volunteers? Let me ask also, Bob, while I'm thinking of it, uh, your book on Long Island Lighthouses, is that in print? Is that available these days? Uh, it's out of print, but you can find it on Amazon sometimes it's, we're coming up on the 20th anniversary awfully quick. And I would love to have done a 20th anniversary edition and update. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. certainly that would be one thing that if we reorganize it as a chapter and, and especially if we have some people who, uh, want to pursue a, pursue a career in, in history and preservation, um, I might be happy to hand that off and just, uh, uh, let, let that happen again. It's time for an update, certainly. And mm-hmm. um, I, I'd love to see that happen. Well, that'd be exciting. Let me let me just remind people the title is Long Island's Lighthouses Past and Present. 
And let me say, I, I don't know if I can uh, promise anything right this moment, but there's certainly a possibility of the U.S. Lighthouse Society, uh, including me, you know, maybe being involved in helping to, to kind of shepherd something moving forward, make something happen with, with that. With yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I, th- I agree. So uh, just a couple of final questions. And again, either or both of you can handle this, but uh, what can people do if they'd like to help with the restoration of Stepping Stones Lighthouse? Well, um, locally, I think one of the biggest things people can do is pressure the North Hempstead Town Supervisor and the Town Council to make this project go forward. People can make donations to www.greatneckhistorical.org and uh, all donations are, you know, are, are welcome. Um, but we'd really like to see some political pressure put on these elected officials to make them aware that the public does have an interest in this and they do want to see it uh, restored. Mm-hmm. So Great Neck Historical Society website is the best, best source of information. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So I have uh, one final question for both of you for bonus points. Okay. And uh, I'll direct this. I'll, let's say Bob, Bob M first. Uh, what has been your favorite thing about being involved in the effort to save Stepping Stones Lighthouse? That's a tough one. Um, you know, always meeting more people who are interested in history, people who are passionate about history. That's good. And, um, and always seeing different sides of preservation in different preservation situations is educational. And, and I feel like it's something that going forward, um, even the negative aspects of what we've dealt with, will give me and other people experience hopefully to apply in the future. So, you know, largely an educational, um, the educational aspects of it is always what um, something that, that appeals to me. Mm -hmm. Bob L. Well, you know, I'd like to tell you a quick war war story. My experience with lighthouse years ago, I had a 19 foot runabout uh, and a group of us, we went down to LaGuardia airport, which is to the West uh, it's in the, in the East River to watch planes land at night, warm summer night, beautiful night. We come back. It's now dark. We come under the Throg's Neck Bridge and lo and behold, we're suddenly in a patch of fog and you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. <laughs> okay. But we were near the, near the uh, lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Fog signal at the time, this was obviously after it had been automated, but the fog signal at the time was electronic. Yeah off every so many seconds and i said okay calm down we're not going to die we're going to listen to this fog signal and right now we need to go to the left of the uh, of the lighthouse so this needs to be on our right so we just kept going nice and slow so uh, and listening to that fog signal to our starboard mm-hmm. and as passed and it was now behind us we knew that we could turn to the right a little bit and start heading back into stepping stone and we came out of the fog and we were, we were home, home safe. But I guess the lesson to that is, you know, you, you take these things for granted, but every once in a while, it really makes a difference. So, uh, yeah. uh, it, you know, obviously that's a night that I'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they still have value as navigational aids. There's no doubt about that. Let me ask you, is the fog signal at Stepping Stone still active, but Mariner activated or is it turned off at this point? No, it's all gone. It's gone. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure you'd have some, some comments on that, but well, obviously since <laughs> it saved you that night. Yeah. When I was a kid and it was a foggy night, you could hear the fog horns at stepping stone lighthouse 
an execution lighthouse and mm-hmm. uh, it was at pleasant sound you know yeah. um yeah. but we're talking long long time ago when you know gps and the modern navigation age just uh, hadn't even thought of yet yeah yeah uh, people miss those those sounds and the ones that are still active the Fox signals are mostly uh, Mariner activated now. So people turn them on with their VHF radios from their boats and you don't hear much anymore unless it's a sunny day and somebody's showing off for their friend and they, they activate the, the signals, but I, I think they aren't being used much anymore, but occasionally they still have some value, of course. Uh, so Bob Lincoln and Bob Muller, I, I want to thank you both so much for being with me today. Uh, I hope we can do it again, and I hope when we do it again, we have some good news to report. <laughs> That's my my ardent hope. So I really appreciate your time, and it's a beautiful lighthouse. You know, I've, I've photographed it from a boat before. I haven't had the, the chance to land there, but uh, I know it's a, a beautiful lighthouse, uh, kind of a twin of the Hudson Athens Lighthouse on the Hudson River, and they're both, right. both really attractive buildings. So I wish you all the best with this effort, and again, I, I'll be watching for good news, and Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. Thanks, Jeremy. To learn more about the effort to save Stepping Stones Lighthouse, visit the Great Neck Historical Society's website at greatneckhistorical.org. We'll be watching closely, and I hope to see some real progress with Stepping Stones Lighthouse in 2023. Thanks again to Bob Lincoln and Bob Muller for the interesting interview. To learn more about all the things the U.S. Lighthouse Society offers, including preservation grants, an online research catalog, and domestic and international tours, check out uslhs.org. Donations and memberships help to support this podcast. If you listen through Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review us. If you have ideas for this podcast, you can email me at jeremy at uslhs.org. Cindy, I think you have a quote about historic preservation. I do. The historian and author, Dr. Walter Havikhurst, once wrote, quote, How will we know it's us without our past? We do not choose between the past and the future. They are inseparable parts of the same river, unquote. Next week's episode will include interviews with two podcast hosts, Emma Choi of NPR's Everyone and Their Mom and Kylie Lowe of Dark Down East. I've been on their podcast talking about lighthouses, so I thought I'd return the favor. Both of them had interesting things to say about getting more uh, young people interested in the subject of lighthouses, something we're always trying to figure out. So as always, to our regular listeners and to our new ones, thank you so much for listening and keep a good light. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine